You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 280 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? Good day, my friend. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well, too. Hope that all of our listeners are uh, having a a good weekend as we get ready for the last Montreal Canadiens uh, hockey game before uh, the bye week. Bye week coming up just ahead of uh, All-Star weekend. Um, and, uh, I, I, there won't be hockey during that week, but I expect we'll, we'll still have lots to talk about for next week's podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Probably not a lot about the All-Star weekend, to be honest. No, no. I think we're, we're a little bit checked out of that, especially with, I don't know, they named some captains. I, I, didn't recognize all of them either like i think there were supposed to be like some celebrities in there but yeah anyway i didn't know who they were and not particularly trying to find out today i i'm i'm right there with you but uh, we do have a pretty good episode here lined up uh, of course we'll uh, take you through everything montreal canadians from the past week a couple of games some roster news uh, we'll talk about some prospects and some news from around the nhl uh, in segment two, it's all about key veterans to help secure Canadians' championship window. And then in segment three, we'll turn it over to our listeners. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, which veteran NHL players do you believe would make the biggest impact for the Canadians to compete for a cup in the next five years? We want to make sure that we hear from everyone and uh, what's the best way for people to reach out and let us know their thoughts. Uh, You can text us. We've set up a special text line, the Rocket Sports text line just for you. You can text us anytime, 24 hours a day. The number is 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. And you can reach out to us on social media. Just make sure that you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, we have a website you can check out. CanadiansConnection.fm. You can find every single episode there. And uh, make sure that uh, you check out our comprehensive pregame previews and postgame recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at THN.com slash Montreal 
that's the Hockey News Montreal, and uh, here's what's happened since we were last here. And, uh, well, we'll start with the lowest of lows, uh, going back to January the 20th. Uh, Montreal visits Boston, and they lose 9-4. to four. Uh, Sam Montembeau in net for eight goals against on 30 shots. That was a .733 goals against average for him. Uh, Danton Heinen for the Boston Bruins completes a hat-trick, the first of his career. Uh, Montembeau went on to be pulled in the third. Caden Primo got in for about 10 minutes. He was scored on once. And not a good game either for the Boston goalie and uh, Linus Allmark as he was scored on four times in two periods. Yeah, this was uh, this was a soul-crushing game for uh, both fans who watched it and, and uh, the Canadians players and coach themselves. Uh, it, it didn't start so bad, um, but, uh, but the Bruins got two goals in the last, um, last two minutes of, of the first period and, uh, and didn't look back. Not a good night for Sam Montembeau. He, he, he didn't look good um, under the pressure of playing at, at the Boston Garden, the TD Garden. And um, yeah, that, it was interesting to hear um, head coach Marty St. Louis afterwards, who's, who's been uh, pretty um, supportive of Montembeau uh, this season. He said, um, when it got to eight goals, I thought it might get to 12. So I pulled <laughs> Montembeau. Uh, Sam would would uh, have a better start later in the week, but but that was uh, a low start for him and for uh, the entire team. The only positives in that game were uh, Cole Caulfield scored a goal for his f- fifth consecutive game, and uh, Yol Armia, who um, who's perked up a bit and is playing well with uh, one Sean Monahan. Yeah, exactly. But uh, things would not get better in uh, the very next game. This time it's Ottawa coming to visit Montreal and Ottawa wins four to one. Honestly, I don't think Montreal had anything really going for them in this game. They were down three nothing after two periods. Looked out of place. Uh, the effort wasn't there. The spirit wasn't there. It was a very quiet bell center as well. Uh, it took them pretty much until the end of the game to get on the board with that one goal and uh, just way too little, way too late. And uh, of course, uh, um, one Michael Ann Lauer, the former shareholder of the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens, I believe about 10%, and new Ottawa Senators owner, uh, did uh, take some time uh, to show up to this game. Uh, I think he was in the first row, uh, his season t- tickets. That's probably the last time he'll be using them as uh, at uh, the Bell Centre. Well, unless the Senators uh, play like that again when, when they're at the Bell Centre, because he looked pretty darn happy uh, throughout that game. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, um, given that, um, it was hard to even count the number of, of scouts that were, were there that night. It, it's two teams who are expected to be sellers in the Canadians and the, the Senators. Um, there was, um, multiple scouts from, from many of the teams. Dallas had three scouts. Um, the Devils had two, Tampa had two, uh, the Leafs had two scouts, uh, Winnipeg had two scouts, um, it, there was there was a lot of teams there who were uh, scouting, looking for talent, and um, and I would I would say that um, uh, the Canadians disappointed uh, on this particular uh, evening. Yeah, perhaps they decided that they just did not want to get traded. Maybe that's what was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also in that game, it, it was Jake Allen that uh, got the start and. And uh, to be honest, I feel like Jake Allen got more flack for this game than Montembeau did for the game before. Not that Allen was particularly great, but I don't think he was all that bad, if I'm being honest. 
Well, um, what's been consistent throughout this season, um, you know, of those two uh, games, 9-4 Boston, Canadians scored four goals. They gave Montembeau uh, some goal support. Uh, and Jake Allen just can't get any run support this season at all. It was a shutout. So obviously, um, you know, the, the uh, loss wasn't on um, Jake Allen at all. Yeah, absolutely. But things did get a little bit better for Montreal this week uh, on the 25th at home. Uh, the New York Islanders come to visit. And that was the return of one Patrick Waugh as he returns behind the bench for an NHL team in the New York Islanders in Montreal. And, of course, that uh, made it uh, one Patrick Waugh day. Uh, plenty of tributes towards him. Uh, fans were excited to have him there. The media was pretty excited. And the Habs were quite fortunate to be up 3 nothing after that first period. I don't think that the Habs were necessarily the better team in this game, but they seemed to just be able to put the puck in the net when they started to get going. Uh, the New York Islanders uh, didn't give up, though. Uh, they did complete a comeback. Uh, they scored three goals on the power play, two of those on the same five-minute power play that saw Brendan Gallagher uh, take a pretty bad hit on one Adam Pellick. We'll talk about that again a little bit later, but uh, the right towards the end of the game when Sean Monaghan decided, you know what, I'm in the mood to win tonight. He goes on, he scores a goal, and uh, that was the game, 4-3 Montreal. This was, um, yeah, it was it was uh, a game within a game. That all of the, everything that was going on around the game, um, off the ice, uh, and then the emotions that spilled onto the ice. Um, it, so many stories out of this game. Uh, but you're right. I, th- I thought the island, from the eye test and, and looking at the analytics, five on five, the, the Islanders were a much better team. Uh, but this was about special teams. We saw five power play goals in total between the two teams scored. Um, and it was, you know, I, th- I think Patrick Waugh, he handled this really well. And, and we'll talk about him a bit later too. Um, but he, he wanted to make the focus all about um, all about the, uh, the game itself, about his team. Um, he wanted to make sure that his team had a good start, and they didn't. Um, with the, the, the 3 nothing start uh, in the first period for the Canadians, Patrick Waugh then had to call a timeout and settled things down. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 the next point where the game changed uh, with, as you said, uh, Brendan Gallagher and, and the Islanders coming up, Sh- Sean Monaghan plays the hero. It was incredible. Um, and, and even the, you know, it was such an unusual day. Um, the, the, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, have been following us, have been following the media, you know, that, that you see the, the visiting coaches, um, they're in the hallway, they're in the corridor they they give their, um, any comments or game notes or, or pregame, um, uh, presser outside the locker room. Um, this was different. The, the uh, background for the Islanders went up in the Canadians press room. The place was packed and, and Patrick Waugh spoke at 4.15. Um, and actually, he was, he, uh, you could tell he, he wanted to get it uh, over with. If you tuned in at 4.15, you're late because he had already started um, <laughs> uh, 10 minutes early. Um, that, was, that was, and I, you know, a legendary goaltender, bigger than life in, in Montreal, so you can understand it. Um, then he, again, not wanting to be the spotlight. Usually 
the visiting coaches uh, just prior to the the game, prior to the anthems, they they make that long walk across the center of the ice, perilous kind of walk uh, to the bench. Uh, Patrick Waugh, he didn't want the, the fans to notice him, to cheer, to do anything. So he snuck in through the Canadians' corridor uh, into the and had to get special permission from Jeff Gorton to do that uh, onto <laughs> the Islanders' bench. Um, it was, it was, and then um, you know when was when was Patrick Waugh going to be recognized? Well, the Canadians ran a montage during the anthem, which is bizarre. I've never seen that before, um, yeah. and the place was just rocking by the time. Whether that was intentional um, to, to 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 boost the fans and boost the Canadians and throw off uh, the Islanders, I don't I don't know. I won't say that, but um, everything was just so interesting and so different about the game, and then uh, for the game itself to to play out the way it did, um, a special night for the Canadians, for Patrick Waugh, and for Bell Center fans. Absolutely. And uh, of course, I'll, I'll mention too, uh, myself and my colleague uh, from Rocket Sports, Nathan, did do a live stream watch along for this game. So we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, if people still want, it's uh, just on our YouTube channel at All ha- at all Habs. You can watch the replay if uh, there was any commentary that you wanted to see. We had plenty of fun discussions too. And uh, like you said, it was quite the game and uh, certainly was happy to spend that with uh, all of our viewers. The Canadians' record currently 20-21-7. That's 47 points and 26th in the NHL. Uh, The Habs have a 1.8% chance of making the playoffs right now uh, on pace for a 78-point season. Uh, Make sure that you check out Habs Notepad, Habs Headlines, and feature articles and game day posts appearing regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. Taking a look at our roster news, There was a lot of moves, a lot of moves (laughs) up and down between uh, Montreal and Laval, and I'm going to need a few minutes to try and figure out why any of this happened. So big surprise on Monday, uh, the Canadians loaned Justin Barron to the Laval Rocket and placed Mitchell Stevens on waivers. Uh, Waivers went unclaimed and was eventually sent to Laval. Um, I guess a lot, an abundance of young D did allow Montreal to send Justin Barron to Laval. But there were some follow-up moves that uh, had me scratching my head a little bit. And then, of course, with uh, Mitchell Stevens, too. That was a bit of a surprise. I thought with Pearson coming back, maybe that made sense. But I don't know. (laughs) It was so odd. And and certainly this was something uh, Justin Barron wasn't expecting at all. He was absolutely stunned, disappointed, didn't really understand why it had happened. Um, I know the fans have been down on him, but I, you know, it's, it's, um, you don't make dis- development decisions based on what the fans think. Uh, Justin Barron has, has been progressing and, and, um, you know, has had hiccups along the way in the defensive zone. Um, but man, I, I, I was surprised. Justin Barron was surprised. Um, and, and even more puzzling was the Mitchell Stevens, um, um, well, first putting him on waivers, not a surprise that he cleared waivers um, and then sent to Laval. But uh, the the way it all happened left uh, the Montreal Canadiens with three centers. And you heard um, in the game uh, against Ottawa centers, you heard um, Marty St. Louis prior to the game saying, I don't know, I'm going to have to manage it somehow, but I don't know what I'm going to do with only having three centers and, and Nick uh, Suzuki was double shifted and, and so on. Um, but M- Mitchell Stevens had been 
performing that fourth line role um, adequately um, and and uh, contributing a bit of offense, uh, energy line for checking well, playing responsibly in his own end. Um, it was just it was just really really odd and and as you said, um, it made us, um, did it make sense because uh, Tanner Pearson was activated from injured reserve? Well, uh, Tanner Pearson has played a little bit of center, uh, but he certainly wasn't utilized by Marty St. Louis at center. Um, and and there was well there was other moves that that came later in the week that could have been made. Uh, uh, rather than sending uh, Mitchell Stevens and and losing that that uh, uh, four centers. So anyway, I'll, I I know this is a long list of of moves. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you uh, uh, make your way through the rest of it. For sure. Uh, and of course, uh, we mentioned Tanner uh, Pearson was uh, activated off of injured reserve. Uh, he suited up against Ottawa. Uh, I don't think he looked particularly good. Certainly a little bit rusty and a little bit slow behind the play. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on how he played in these past two games? Yeah, I, I, I didn't think he was. We remember that near the, the beginning of the season, um, the old man line or whatever they were calling themselves. So <laughs> with Brendan Gallagher and, and Sean Monaghan, they, they were actually pretty good. Uh, Tanner Pearson d- didn't look like he fit um, in his return and, and in the two games he's played, he's, yeah, he just hasn't, uh, contributed in the same way and, and, and we'll give him some time to, um, get back to, uh, integrating himself into the lineup. So after Justin Barron being sent down, Arbor Jacki was called up from the Laval rocket. And this to me was one of the most curious moves from this past week. I mean, there were a lot of curious moves with this one in particularly, uh, I don't know that he necessarily deserved that call. Did he break down the wall and force Montreal's hand to call him up? Probably not. He went down there for development uh, a little while ago. Uh, he came back from an injury. They wanted him to work on his game, uh, I guess, taking fewer penalties, uh, develop his skating and his puck handling and whatnot. Calling him up was just a really bizarre move uh, from what I saw and to be honest, he wasn't good in any of the games either. Uh, he suited up against Ottawa, didn't really have an impact. Suited up uh, in the Islanders game. And again, didn't really do a whole lot for me there. Arbor just looks very out of place at the moment. Yeah, he uh, when he was sent down to um, the uh, Laval Rocket, he had a hard time at the beginning. He had a hard time accepting it. Uh, he didn't react particularly well. Um, and, and he wasn't playing very well uh, in Laval for the first handful of games. But then um, I thought he was was good. And, and he and Logan Mayu had formed a bit of chemistry, had been on the top pairing. Um, you saw that Jack I had, was um, he was using his stick better. He was he was uh, had a better gap. Um, he was mining the defensive zone much better. He was um, more disciplined, um, if maybe, you know, a little shy to get involved a little less of, of that physical play that he's known for. Um, but then when he was called up, he, he, he looks ner- the two games, he looks terribly nervous. Um, he's, he's, when he gets the puck on his stick, he, he's fumbled it. Um, he's, he's handled it like a hand grenade. Um, his physical play has been, you know, kind of, uh, t- tentative. Uh, it's been there and then it's not been there. And, and, 
Um, I think one of the difficult parts is um, you know, one of the reasons he was sent down is because Marty St. Louis didn't like his his uh, penalties, his um, his unjustified penalties. And in the two games that he's been back, he has six minutes in penalties, um, <laughs> particularly against the Islanders. Um, took some penalties that um, yeah, he shouldn't have. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's been, it's been hard to watch him go through that. Um, and, um, I know that they, they want to be patient with him. I know that they value him. Um, but he's not, he's not the same player, um, that he was. And, and, um, yeah, he, he, he was, he, um, uh, spoke about that game, uh, on Thursday night, where he took uh, a couple of, of uh, bad penalties, and, and here's what he had to say. I don't think so. I think I started off pretty well, but then I think once I, I got two penalties there, I was kind of hurting the team a little bit, so i got to figure out how to, how to stay in the box. No, I don't think so. I think they they let me play, and they, they want me to play my game, obviously, but they definitely don't want me to, to put the boys in the penalty kill, and I think uh, the, like some of those calls maybe like, in the minors, they wouldn't call that, but I think they, uh, they're calling that now, so i got to f- find a balance and uh, not take too many penalties. I thought that was a fascinating comment. First of all, uh, taking ownership, yes, those are two bad penalties on Thursday night in, in the game against the Islanders. I've been told uh, that I'm not supposed to put uh, my guys on the, the penalty kill, um, but that, that they want me to play to my identity. Um, and I like that. Uh, I like that that the team. That's what the team is telling him. Uh, I don't think he's doing that uh, right yet. I think he's playing very tentatively. I think he's he's thinking a lot um, rather than playing. Um, but he 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 knows he shouldn't be taking penalties. The the comment at the end was the most curious. That oh, I'm getting I'm I'm getting used to uh, the NHL. I don't I don't know. You know that wouldn't have been a penalty in the AHL, so I'm, I'm getting used to it uh, over again. Um, I, he's played more games in the NHL than he's played in the AHL, so he he knows how it's called. I, I thought that was, that was a bit of excuse making there, but um, Arborjacki not the same Arborjacki that fans really enjoy watching. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of fans would be disappointed with his play in those last two games as well. Uh, we do have one more piece of audio from Arbor Jacki, and uh, this is him talking about a discussion he had with the coaches at practice. I actually, I reached out to them and I, I said, uh, yeah, I apologize for that penalty. I mean, there was no need for that. And I think we were up 3 nothing, and I kind of made a bad turnover at the blue line and, there, and got a penalty on that. So there's, there's, those two are definitely preventable. And they were, they were great. They just said, shake it off and today's a new day and have a good practice. And don't think about it too much. So um, he took two bad penalties. He acknowledged that. I think everybody acknowledged that. The reporters after Thursday night's game asked Marty St. Louis about Jack Eye's penalties. Um, all Marty would say was, I don't like it. Um, I didn't like the, the penalties. Um, on Friday morning at practice, um, right near the beginning of practice, you saw... Um, Arbor Jacki approach Marty St. Louis. There's a bit of a conversation. 
uh, and then Robodog got involved. And, and so what we're hearing from uh, Arbor is, is that he initiated, um, you know, going over and saying, I'm sorry, um, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and, and had a discussion with the coaches and, and good on him for owning it and, and approaching the, the coaches. Uh, and they said, you know, shake it off, have a good practice. Um, so you might jump to the conclusion that's all been forgotten. However, uh, Arbor Jacki will be a healthy scratch uh, on Saturday night against the Penguins. So I still think that um, there's there's a message being sent, and they want him to understand um, that he can't he can't continue to hurt the team uh, by putting them on the PK. Yeah, I think that's the right call, too, as it looks like he will be that healthy scratch tonight on January the 27th. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. You hope that Arbor Jacki can uh, work his way out of this. Uh, it could be a mental thing at this point because there are a couple bad games there. But uh, certainly uh, you hope that uh, he's learning his lessons and uh, he'll get used to how uh, the game is called in the NHL level once again. And just before we move away from uh, Arbor Jacques, I one more uh, piece of information. And it came out on the broadcast uh, a week ago, Elliot Friedman, and then on the 32 Thoughts podcast, is that given that the Canadians had sent Arbor Jacques to Lavelle, there might have been a feeling around the league that um, the, the Canadians were, you know, uh, not as high on on uh, Arbor Jacki as, as they once were. And so um, Ken Hughes started fielding uh, calls from teams who were interested in saying, hey, um, what's happening? Is he available? What would it take? Those kinds of, of uh, discussions. And um, we're told from Elliot Friedman, uh, and, and Elliot Friedman speculated that one of those teams were, um, was Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Flyers, um, which... You know, if 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 Arbor Jacki is not a Montreal Canadian, why wouldn't he be? A, he he would fit that mold, right? Um, yeah. But but um, Ken Hughes said flatly he's he's not available. So um, they confirm they they are reiterating their belief uh, that this is. It was always known that that Arbor Jacki uh, was a project, um, given his 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 rise uh to fame and and jumping from junior into the lineup um all of that um that there was going to be some bumps along the way uh development is not linear as i've said a million times uh, so there's going to be some ups and downs and and healthy scratches and him going to uh, the rocket but that doesn't change uh how valuable how valuable uh, the canadians see see him yeah i think that's good to point out too and uh great story i mean you can't forget he was undrafted as well so the fact that he's been in nhl games so early on in his career is quite remarkable and uh, like i said let's just hope that he continues to develop and uh, gets himself out of this rut for sure uh continuing along with uh, the moves that uh, the canadians made this past week uh they have loaned for joshua waugh back to laval uh, he came, he saw, he put up two points, and uh, now he's back in Laval. Uh, I think at first uh, during this call-up, he looked a little bit lost, but then uh, he uh, scored a goal against the New Jersey Devils, and from there you could start to see the skill there. It's still pretty raw, and uh, I'm happy that uh, he's back in Laval where he can uh, continue to develop and uh, work on his game. Yeah, we talked about it last week, that uh, nice to see him get that exposure 
uh, has had six NHL games now. There was one game that um, he might have looked like he belonged. Um, the, yeah. the game where he he got that goal, he had five shots on net, um, and and was certainly uh, visible offensively. He never did. Um, you know, he looked a bit lost on defensive coverage. And I think, as we said on last week's podcast, um, no no disrespect, he just wasn't ready. Uh, he wasn't. He he's just not ready um, uh, for any extended time in the NHL, and and that's what makes this a little bit curious. Um, because had um, Joshua Waugh been sent uh, down to Laval when Mitchell Stevens was, uh, if they were going to send him down anyway, why why not send him down when Mitchell Stevens was making room for Tanner Pearson, um, and then you didn't have to uh, be without a. Uh, a center on on uh, against the um, Ottawa Senators, and then you didn't have to um, make the next move that <laughs> that you're going to talk about uh, following uh, Joshua Waugh going to, to um, uh, Laval to get another center into the lineup. Well, certainly I did not have this one on my bingo card, but the call-up was Lucas Condotta from the Laval Rocket. Um, Condotta did not play a ton when he was up. I saw him get uh, booted out of uh, multiple face-offs for uh, some sort of infractions. Um, this was another odd move. I, I think personally you and I could probably agree we would have preferred Mitchell Stevens just to stay up. But uh, Lucas Condotta came in, I think mostly in that fourth-line role. Uh, played one game and uh, was zeros across the score sheet. He played one game last season. I think it was the last game of the season against the... Yeah. Uh, Boston Bruins, and he, he had one game, one goal, so not a bad average there. Um, but, um, yeah, the, and if you put Lucas Condotta, Lucas Condotta is a bit more feisty. He's um, known to drop the gloves on, on occasion and, and stand up for his teammates in Laval. Um, but this is, um, like, I would be very surprised uh, if after the, the Pittsburgh game, um, if uh, Lucas Condotta isn't sent back to Laval so he can get in some games uh, while the Canadians are enjoying their, their bye week. Um, and, and yes, why did it have to happen? You know, I would have understood all of these moves if there was a trade that followed, if, 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 yeah. um, if this was a showcase of some kind. Um, but but it, it, it was bizarre as, as it played out uh, throughout the week. Yeah, and with Kandata and Jack Eye coming up, part of me was wondering, okay, do they feel like they need more grit? But they did this after the Boston game, so I don't think yeah, that made a yeah, ton of sense from yeah, that aspect. Exactly. Uh, some more positive news. Uh, Alex Newhook has began skating this week. I believe he was out there a couple of times. So certainly nice to see him out to, in skating. I think this Habs lineup could use his speed at this point in the season. Yeah, he's on track um, to return towards the end of February, um, at least from his initial um, uh, injury. Uh, that was the, the speculation. Um, he was out on Thursday ahead of practice, uh, just in a warm-up suit um, uh, with a light skate. Friday, was um, he was in a full equipment, um, not with the team, on his own, uh, but doing a little bit more edge work um, and and uh, I mean, it's 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 going to take a while for him to get back, but um, great as you said, it's good news, great sign um, that um, he his is an injury 
that was not season ending. He's going to be back. And, and uh, talking about centers, there's another center that's going to come back into the lineup. For sure. And the big news from this week, Brendan Gallagher was suspended five games for an illegal check to the head on New York Islanders defenseman Adam Pellich. Uh, absolutely disgusting hit. So uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, when we were recapping that game against the Islanders. Uh, this was towards the end of the third period. Montreal up 3-1 to one at this point. Gallagher skates across the ice, uh, throws his elbow up over his head while completing this hit on Pellich. And wow, uh, he ended up getting a five-minute major and a 10-minute game misconduct. So he left to go to the dressing room pretty much immediately there. And this led to the Islanders scoring twice on that five-minute power play, tying the game up. So in all this, uh, Gallagher with a dirty hit and almost costed his team the game. Not impressed with Brit- Brendan Gallagher right now. If uh, I think if we were doing winners and losers this week, uh, that, that would be both of our loser most likely, right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, match penalty, well-deserved, and um, I, 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 I don't quite understand it. It was um, at a point that the Canadians were in control of, of the game. It was... Uh, uh, an open ice uh, neutral zone um, hit, um, a blindside hit, uh, you know, the left his feet elbow high uh, directly to the head, all the things. Uh, and, and maybe it was we were talking about um, ice time throughout that game. And, and, you know, I don't I don't think that Brendan Gallagher is pretty is all that comfortable um, in his new role, um, and his ice time. And, um, we, we've heard that Marty St. Louis has been trying to change his game, trying to make him into a different player. And that just seemed like a moment of frustration and, and that hit to the head of Adam Pellick. It was, um, it was ugly. It was truly ugly. And I think what we saw kind of for the first time, um, is Canadians fans turning, um, and, and, you know, uh, there was very few, if any, that were trying to minimize uh, the hit. Um, I think some even were surprised. Uh, uh, this was not an in-per- in-person hearing. Um, it was a telephone um, hearing that Brendan uh, Gallagher had with the uh, uh, folks from Discipline. Um, and and that meant that it could only be a maximum of five games. And, and we had Frank Cervelli initially thinking that it might be six or more. Um, but I didn't see many, um, many of, of many of the Canadians fans or even, um, the, the broadcasters or, or media saying that, um, you know, the five games was undeserved, undeserved with the one exception exception, um, and that's Max Lapierre, former Canadians player, <laughs> who is trying to turn himself into a a commentator. And uh, if you if you listen to Max Lapierre, I you have my sympathies because he came out this time and said um, there's it's impossible that that was an intentional hit. It was completely by accident. It was completely. Um, it it's not. Um, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm not defending this. Well, yes, he was. Um, he said this is out of character for Brendan Gallagher. And, um, and it was just an absolute uh, it, it unfortunate accident. Um, and that's just, it's just silly. I'm sorry. You're silly. You're not credible. You shouldn't be listened to. 
um, because this was um, this was a bad hit. Um, this was the the suspension is well deserved, um, and I think that um, that it's unfortunate. Brendan Gallagher, um, who is supposed to be a leader on this team, um, who is a, a a veteran who's supposed to be providing um, leadership to all the young players and and saying this is how. This is what it's like to be a professional in the National Hockey League, and and he didn't have that hat on um, during that hit, and um, yeah, he'll be he'll be out for a while and well deserved. Um, the the only other uh, media personality that uh, I'm going to mention here is uh, PK Subban, and and <laughs> I know that that we have a ton of um listeners who love PK Subban loved when he played for the team loved his style of play uh loved his big personality and now he's gone on to uh be a a commentator um in the US and um he put out a video which I thought was interesting and and he said um that it's the kind of of play that you just don't want to see and that that um you know, it wasn't. It didn't happen in the corner. This is open ice. It was. It was a bad hit, and um, that it deserved five games. I'm on. I'm on board for all of that. I agree with you, PK. Where where I thought it was interesting is when he said he said, "Listen, I've got to be consistent. Listen, Brendan Gallagher is an old teammate. I played with Brendan Gallagher, but I have to. I have to be impartial here. I have to be objective." Well, I don't know if that's the case because there. There weren't two teammates who butted heads more often while they were teammates than Brandon Gallagher and uh, P.K. Subban. They did not get along. They did not like each other. Um, they they fought in practice. They had um, legendary um, screaming matches in the in in the dressing room. Um, and then afterwards, uh, after P.K. left and and moved on to other teams you saw that the two didn't like each other. So I thought it was, I, 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 PK is just kind of piling on there. And I, I thought I, he was right in terms of, of the action, but he didn't need to say that, you know, he had to be objective or whatever, because he's not. And, 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 <laughs> and, and I understand that it's just two people that, that didn't get along. Absolutely. And uh, with that, uh, I think it's time to get to our Habs prospect report. It's time for the Rocket Report. The Rocket Sports Media Team is your premier source for information about the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as Habs prospects playing in the CHL, NCAA, and leagues around the world. Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadians prospects. So each week we like to highlight a Montreal Canadiens prospect and uh, this week we're going to shine the spotlight on forward Alexander Gordon, uh, the 2020 draft pick, uh, 171st overall. Uh, He's a center and a right wing and uh, honestly he's been having a pretty good season in the VHL over in Russia. 45 games, uh, 32 points, and uh, he's got 15 goals within that. So that's another Montreal Canadiens uh, prospect over in Russia that uh, we don't tend to hear too, 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 too much about, but uh, certainly uh, someone that uh, we like to keep our eyes on. Yeah, and, and was kind of a surprise pick, uh, that sixth-round pick in 2020. Um, but had, he's had a, a good year, as you said, but a tremendous week. 
Um, on on Tuesday, um, he it was a, a three two game, uh, an overtime game. Uh, he assisted on the game winner, um, and he added two goals. Uh, so two goals and an assist. Uh, the assist on the game winner. Then he had the game winner on Thursday. Um, as his team won two nothing, so that's four goals and an assist in the space of two games. Great week for Alexander Gordon, and uh, he is our prospect of the week. Uh, sometimes we like to check up on one David Reinbacker as well, and uh, it looks like David Reinbacker has a brand new head coach over in Cloton. Um, it seemed like they fired uh, the original head coach back in like the fall almost. So this has taken a few months uh, in, I guess, in a hiring process, hasn't it? Yeah. Tell me if uh, you heard this story before. Uh, David Reinbacker has a new coach. You're right. Uh, This happened in November, actually, towards the end of November, um, that uh, Jerry Fleming and and a lot was made of the fact that that the Canadians were sending uh, Reinbacker to Cloton and there was a relationship with Jerry Fleming, um, a relationship with Montreal, good relationship with the Canadians, uh, blah, blah, blah. He was fired in November um, and uh, subbing in for, for Jerry Fleming. Um, the GM, uh, Larry Mitchell, became the GM and head coach. So fast forward to this past week. Um, Larry Mitchell was uh, fired, uh, let's say, as um, as head coach. Um, he's he's going to stay with the team as as GM, and uh, a, um, a coach, uh, Italian coach called Stefan Mayer, is going to uh, step into or has stepped into the role um, as uh, as as head coach. So this is the third coach this season. Uh, for David Reinbacker. What was curious uh, to me is Cloten announced that, uh, yes, uh, Stefan Mayer is uh, the coach and he'll be the coach till the end of the season, but we're still in the market for a head coach. Uh, we're still looking <laughs> and that uh, they hope that they'll have um, a bigger pool to pick from at the end of the season than they do mid-season um, and yes, of course, Stefan Mayer will be um, a candidate as well. But we want to um, we, we want to cast a wide net. So, boy, oh boy, things are going on in Cloton. Um, as I said, third new coach this season for David Reinbacker. That's got to be a bit unsettling. And um, and you know, I I, th- I think the sooner he can get over uh, to North America, the better. Yeah, um, Cloten in general just not having a very good season. And to be honest, I feel like we were sold on the fact that uh, Montreal had a pretty good relationship with uh, the original head coach, Jerry Fleming, right? Right, exactly. But uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on that, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about David Reinbacker quite a bit uh, throughout uh, the next uh, few months. Uh, looking at the NCAA, uh, the two top teams, one and two, Boston College and Boston University faced off. And Boston College came away with a 4-1 to win on uh, Friday night. Uh, so that's the two best teams. And uh, Rick, you said that this was quite the game to watch. It was. And um, an old rivalry, um, a 100-year rivalry uh, between Boston College and Boston University. And the fact that they are the two best teams in the NCAA um, Boston College knocking off uh, Boston University, the number one team ranked 
Um, and so that might change the rankings for next uh, next week, uh, uh, knocking them off 4-1 on Friday night. And we know some players uh, in, in both lineups. Um, Boston College, uh, they got goals from Ryan Leonard. We were pretty high on Ryan Leonard uh, going into the draft. Uh, Cutter Goche got a goal. Remember that Cutter Goche was just traded um, and that he was offered to the Montreal Canadiens and uh, Gabe Perot uh, also picked up a goal. Um, in net um, for Boston College was Jacob Fowler. He picked up his 17th win. That leads uh, the NCAA. Uh, terrific record, 17-4-1, and one, a 2.22 goals against and a 9.24 save percentage. However, we also know players who on the losing team, Boston University, Macklin Celebrini, who is the acknowledged number one pick in the 2020 or will be um, the number one pick in the 2024 draft. He was a minus two. Uh, Luke Tuck, um, a member, a prospect for the Montreal Canadiens, he was a minus three. And defenseman extraordinaire Lane Hudson uh, was also a minus three in this game. Um, yet, no, there's still other Canadians connection. The lone goal, I said it was 4-1. Uh, the lone goal for Boston University came from Jack Hughes. No, not that Jack Hughes, the other Jack Hughes the son of Kent Hughes. Uh, taking a look at Laval, uh, I guess two out of three w- wins this uh, past week, so not too, too bad. Uh, we'll take it back all the way to Saturday, January the 20th. Uh, Laval visits Belleville. I believe that was the second part of uh, Home and Home with Belleville, and they win again, uh, three to two. Uh, Kaskazuo Net uh, faced 47 shots, looked pretty good. Also showed that he's got a little bit of a temper in there. Uh, <laughs> lots of penalties for both teams. Uh, tied 2-2 after two. And Heinemann scored the power play goal. I know, Rick, you were watching this one, so I'll, I'll let you chime in uh, with uh, some info here. Well, I think that um, the games, if, if you watch the Laval Rocket uh, towards the beginning of the season uh, and, and you watch them now, they're there's just an expectation from the Laval rocket that they're going to win. Um, and, and uh, even when they're down, even uh, there, there's uh, so much more confidence that the team is showing. And that's not just, I know that fans are pointing to Arbor Jack. I are pointing to uh, when he was uh, with Laval or pointing to Cascasu. Um There's contributions uh, all over the ice and, and really like the way Heinemann's been playing, um, in uh, Laval and uh, Jakob Dobas has been terrific in goal um, when he gets the goal support. So um, yes, uh, Belleville and, and Laval always a, a fun matchup because there's there's plenty of fisticuffs. The two teams don't like each other, whether it's in the uh, Place Bell uh, or in in Belleville, the barn there. Uh, these two teams are are um, are a treat to watch, and and uh, they have some more matchups coming up as, as the season goes on. So uh, we're going to keep an eye on those as well. A couple days off in between before their next game, and uh, Utica comes to visit Laval. Laval comes away with a five to two win. A uh, bit of a quiet game until the third period, where Laval scored four unanswered. And on the 26th, Laval uh, has their winning streak come to an end. Syracuse wins 4-2. to two. 
Uh, Laval just kind of fell short as the Crunch took advantage of, of their solid goaltending. Uh, they were up as much as 3-1 to one at one point, so uh, Syracuse wins that one 4-2. to two. Yeah, pretty close. Um, a a one-goal game, essentially. There was an empty netter there. Dobish, again, played really, really well, made some uh, big stops. Um, and Joel Bouchard did not pull the goalie in the first period in this game, so that's, uh, that's progress for uh, Syracuse. <laughs> uh, Laval's record, 18-15, uh, 4-2, so that's a .538 points percentage. Uh, it's 19th in the AHL, so like you said, uh, uh, this past month at least, uh, they've been looking pretty good, and they're really shooting up the standings. Uh, a couple of games uh, coming up next week, uh, three in fact. So on the 27th of January, so tonight on Saturday, Laval visits Rochester. And then on the 31st of January, uh, Utica comes to visit Laval. And then uh, once again, uh, Rochester is going to come to visit Laval on the 2nd of February. And um, just because there are are no Canadians games next week, uh, there are Laval games. Uh, so we're going to be talking about them. We're going to be covering them. You'll find uh, the recaps uh, on THN.com slash Montreal. All the Laval coverage is there as well. We'll be covering them on uh, on Twitter. And um, just uh, one note that you can watch. Uh, yes, there's um, on Saturday, there's uh, the Canadians game at 7 against Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, oddly, uh, the Laval versus Rochester game starts at 5 p.m. Uh, so you can, you can have a... A warm-up watching uh, Laval and then get right into the Canadians game. And uh, we also like to cover the ECHL and the Trois-Rivières Lions, uh, the Montreal Canadiens affiliate in the Eastern East Coast Hockey League. And uh, they had two games this past week. None of them were very good, to be completely honest. Going back to January the 20th, uh, Anirondack comes to visit uh, Trois-Rivières, and they win 5-2. to two. Uh, Six days later, on the 26th of January, uh, Maine comes to town, and they win 8-1. to one. So just Yikes. a bad week. Uh, rough nights for the goaltender. Um, Yakov Novak takes over as the lead scorer on that team with 30 points. Uh, it seemed like at the beginning of the year, they were scoring like mad. Verbatic was on fire. This was the team to beat. And now they're really slipping down uh, the standings. Right now, they're 10th in the Eastern Conference, 17-22-2. Uh, and two, So a losing record for the Trois-Rivières at the moment. Yeah, and Maine just crushing them um, on Friday night, 8-1. Uh, to one. And Maine is, I believe they're a point behind with uh, several games in hand. So we could see Trois-Rivières... Uh, falling further, I think that you know there's there's uh, always mo- there's movement in the AHL, there's movement in the ECHL, um, and and you know I, I've heard people say oh it's because they've lost this player or that player. I think primarily um, as anyone who's been following the coverage, our coverage about uh, Trois Rivières, there's a there's a dark cloud over this team. Um, they're up for sale. Uh, the sale has been, um, held up. Um, there's, there's money owing to, um, for rent, uh, for the lease on the, the arena and the city's mad about it. It was supposed to all be settled, um, in the ECHL meetings a few weeks ago. It wasn't, um, I think that, uh, some of the struggles, um, are because there's such a, a negative cloud around this team. Uh, and it's got to it's got to be affecting them. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense there. And uh, we'll continue to uh, cover the Trois-Rivières within our prospect report. 
Uh, for those who don't know, we also do the hockey news for the QMJHL, the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. And uh, this week, uh, we'd like to highlight uh, another great article that we've put on that website. And uh, Rick, what can you tell us about it? Well, um, Jeremy uh, Boucher attended the CHL Top Prospects uh, game uh, for us uh, this past week. Uh, it's always a, a really fun game to uh, to cover, uh, and a, you know, in a draft uh, ahead of the draft to, to see some of the the top prospects, uh, the featured uh, from the CHL. Interesting um, sidelight to this is that uh, Jeff Merrick um, speculated that this might be the last uh, year for the CHL top prospects game and suggested that uh, going forward, um, there's um, the NCAA has their All-American prospects game. CHL has top prospects. And Merrick seemed to suggest that, that instead of individual games, uh, the two might play against each other or... Uh, a two-game series, or whatever it might be, but there, there's talk of some sort of coordination between the two leagues. Yeah, it would be amazing to go and watch that, so hoping that pans out for sure. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that uh, you check out all of our content about Canadians' prospects at thn.com slash Montreal. And if you're looking for the best English-language coverage of the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League, head over to thn.com slash QMGHL. Time to get to our quote of the week, and this one comes from one Patrick Waugh. Of course, we talked about it being Patrick Waugh Day here in Montreal uh, when he came to town uh, coaching for the New York Islanders, and uh, he had a chance uh, to talk with the media and talking about how grateful and blessed he is. It's very easy. Um, I don't know if I have the, the, the right word in English, but it's very easy to, uh, to be attached to him. Does that make sense? Do you understand? What, is that correct, the expression? So it's very easy to be like this with Luke because he, he, he's such a genuine person. He is, you know, and, and he, he, I think he just wants me to be able to coach my game. And, and I appreciate that so much. But, but the knowledge, and, and I said, and I'm very lucky because uh, we have Jacques Lemaire in our organization, and Lou and Jacques are, are very close people, and, and I'm lucky to have mentors like them. I think I think I'm going to grow as a coach. I think I'm going to grow as a hockey person, and 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 I think I'm going to be. I'm very blessed to be in that position. This, um, uh, of course, our quote of the week would be from Patrick Why. It was such a big day. It was um, incredible news as the week went went on that uh, the the, the Lamorello, um, the Islanders, had made this change. Uh, that uh, they they had hired Patrick Waugh, and then what are the odds that um, within a few days um, the the Islanders were in Montreal and Patrick Waugh made this um, this this entrance, this bigger than life personality came in, um, and I think that that folks are wondering what kind of coach he's going to be. We we um, are aware of of the type of coach he was in Colorado. Um, he went on to, to, uh, coach the, the ramparts and, and Memorial cups there. Uh, so how, what was he going to be like? Um, he's, he's, he's legendary in, in Montreal, in Quebec. Um, and what I found really refreshing from this quote is how humble he was. Um, you know, and I, I think, I think that's just, um, 
Patrick Waugh may have not made this quote when he was younger. Uh, I thought of Marty St. Louis coming in and coming in without experience um, into the head coaching position of, of the Canadians and um, but but came in with full confidence and and um, you know didn't want to show any cra- cracks in his armor kind of thing. Um, Patrick Waugh came in with this big personality but yet was so humble in that presser and and talked about how he's um, immediately attached uh, to Lou Lamorello, the GM. And all the experience, yet the passion that that Lou has, um, and and um, a, a guy like Jacques Lemaire, again another bigger than life kind of Mon- former Montreal Canadian, um, but but Patrick Waugh talked about them as mentors, um, and that he can both grow as a coach, and grow as a hockey person, and the fact that he's he's Patrick Waugh, and yet he's open to learning, uh, to becoming a better hockey man. Um, from from two guys that he figures that he, he estimates have more knowledge than he does, uh, I think that's really going to. I was really refreshed to see that um, how humble how how he talked about being grateful and blessed, um, and I think that's going to. I think that's really going to help him, uh, and maybe as a, a signal that he's going to be a little bit different coach than we've seen him be before in the NHL. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, great media, great media availability from him as well. Uh, on a lot of occasions, it seemed like the Montreal media was very uh, fixated on, you know, this is Patrick Wise. He's got his banner up in the rafters and whatnot, but uh, Patrick doing uh, his best to kind of brush that off and uh, try to not be uh, the big distraction. Although it did realistically just end up being Patrick Wade. Day. <laughs> True enough. Uh, ending the segment uh, with some hockey news and notes from around the NHL. Uh, coming out of Edmonton, uh, they announced that they signed forward Corey Perry to a one-year contract worth the league minimum. Uh, he is yet to suit up, but he will suit up tonight on January the 27th for the first time with the Oilers. Uh, since leaving uh, the Blackhawks uh, organization, he uh, went and joined the player assistance program. And it's uh, honestly nice that he's uh, able to redeem himself a little bit and get an NHL job. Yeah, he acknowledges that he made a mistake. It was a big mistake. It was, um, you know, perhaps an alcohol-fueled uh, rant in front of donors. Uh, that ended his time in Chicago. Um, he's he's going to bring uh, maybe something to the Oilers uh, that they they don't have presently, and uh, and we know what he was able to provide to um, to the Canadians. He's the guy. He's the kind of guy that. You really don't like to see on the opposition uh, bench or on the ice, um, and the only question for me is the Oilers are are just cruising along with a 15 game winning streak. Is that going to alter yeah. the chemistry, or is Corey Perry going to be able to uh, help further that? And uh, and we'll know pretty soon. Yeah, we'll find out tonight if they're able to make it 16, or if uh, perhaps Corey Perry brings some bad luck to that team. <laughs> But either way, uh, you don't want the Edmonton Oilers getting to 15 on that winning streak. Absolutely crazy and uh, good for them. And Corey Perry's the kind of guy you'd want for the playoffs uh, for the Oilers. For sure. Uh, Some news out of Philadelphia. Uh, It's being reported that they have signed center Ryan Paling to a two-year contract extension worth $3.8 million. So far this season, he has 14 points. Uh, He's found a role on that fourth line, and he's looked pretty good since arriving in Philadelphia. Yeah, he's looked great. He's had um, even some um, some time on the third line. Um, they really like him in Philadelphia. 
and I'm happy for him. Um, you know, he had a bit of, of a rough ride in, in Montreal. His, his, like so many others, his development was a bit mismanaged, rushed up, and then had a hard time getting back into the lineup and getting some responsibility uh, given uh, some time. Um, he's been great for, for the Flyers. Um, and as, as you said, not, um, the Flyers haven't made it official, but so many outlets are reporting this, including NBC Sports, uh, that um, we expect that it will happen uh, quite soon and, and good for Ryan Paling. And, and I should say, um, he's become one of the premier uh, penalty killer, in addition to his fourth, third or fourth line role, one of the premier penalty killers in the National Hockey League. So um, given that he was a first-round pick from the Canadians, we, we certainly wish him well. The Flyers also signed winger Owen Tippett to an eight-year contract extension worth uh, $49.6 million. Uh, they acquired him from the Panthers a few seasons back, and uh, they're certainly betting on him while he's young. This season, he has 17 goals, and uh, that's the exact same amount as one Cole Caulfield. Yeah, he's been he's been great for uh, the Flyers out now with a bit of an injury, but um, they are obviously like him well enough to lock him up for eight years. And our final bit of news before we head into the break. Uh, Batman makes history by uh, making it 31 years in the NHL as the commissioner. Um, with that, he becomes the longest-serving uh, chief executive among major North American pro sports leagues. And, well, it really shows because I think this league could use a new voice, right? 11,318 days as commis- commis- commissioner of the uh, National Hockey League and uh, um, almost the same number of days uh, that there has not been a Stanley Cup in Canada. And, and of course, there's no <laughs> relation. There's no relation. But um, he, he was, um, yes, he was uh, appointed in uh, 1993 the Canadians went on to win uh, the cup and watching Gary Bettman present that that cup when he had just been um, appointed commissioner in the last several months um, and then no cup in Canada since uh, since then uh, so it it yeah I think that um, we recognize the the tenure we recognize the milestone um, I'm not uh, a fan of some of the things that, that Gary Bettman has done. I'm not a fan of how the Canadian teams have been treated during his tenure. Um, but uh, the owners like him, um, and uh, certainly the um, the franchises in the U.S. and and the areas in the South that he's opened up and brought hockey to into the non-traditional markets, he has to be recognized for that, I suppose. Um, and, uh, it is news, so we'll mention it here. Um, and listen, um, you can, you can send either to 5853 Rocket or, uh, to our social media, what you think, um, the best and worst moves, uh, are, uh, for, uh, Gary Bettman. I'm anticipating we'll get some booze in the text line <laughs> as we're reading this out. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, with that, I think it's a good time to get to our first break. We'll hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then it's a big topic segment. Key veterans to help secure the Canadians championship window. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. 
This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Maybe you want to make a bet on five different players who are going to score a goal tonight. The opportunities are endless on DraftKings Sportsbook. There are so many different combinations, opportunities, specials, parlays, straight up money line bets, you name it. There's so many ways to play on DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, uh, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at uh, Rocket Sports on Twitter as well. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can check out our website, CanadiansConnection.fm. And just a reminder here, if you have not already, make sure you hit that subscribe button in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. And uh, Rick, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, the prospects, but uh, I think uh, it's time to maybe talk about some of the veteran guys that uh, the Montreal Canadiens might might need. And uh, I think we'll start this off by taking a look at an article published by The Athletic uh, not too long ago, uh, which in which they're talking about the probability in which NHL teams have the best and worst odds of winning the Stanley Cup in the next five years. They did two separate articles, uh, one for the best, uh, one for the worst. And uh, I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, What did you think about this, Rick? Yeah, I I give credit to somebody who is, um, who puts this out um, and puts her name on it and is willing to be criticized by almost everybody um, because it's, it's with so many, um, variables over over five years it's almost impossible to get the numbers just right um so sean mckindo you may know him better as as down goes brown on social media uh did this and this isn't the first time he he did this in 2016 2018 um and um he's i i guess you would have to say a qualified um success he was right on some things wrong on other things um and so he's he's given it a, a go again, um, and with with and 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 done as you explained the the probability that um, a particular team is going to win a Stanley Cup 
um, in 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, or 2028. So in the next five years, uh, what are the odds that your team is going to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, And he put them into, here are the teams that in his estimation have the worst odds and a different article for the best odds. Um, he, he offered some uh, caveats uh, in, in the first article, and he said, um, you're going to, the first, your first reaction is going to be that the percentage is too low. Um, and that just makes sense from a statistical point of view because there are 32 teams and there are five years, um, so that, that 32 um, has to, the percentages for those 32 teams have to add up to 500. Why? Because 100% each year. Um, so those percentages are going to be low. Um, they're going to be on average of 16% plus or minus, um, lower or higher, uh, depending on if they have a good chance or um, a, a bad chance. Is that math make sense? Did I explain that too quickly? Um, 500 divided by 32 is 16. Uh, so if you have a better than 16% chance, you have a good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. If you have a lower, you have a, a, a less than average chance. Um, that's just, that's just math. And, and I'm with him <coughs> there. Um, he said that, that, um, um, that, that this is, this is going to be startling to some people. Uh, it's going to, uh, elicit uh, criticism and and he's happy to do that and happy to hear from you so um where did the canadians end up and and why um well i think if you talk to um montreal canadians fans um the 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 team has with with jeff gorton and ken hughes they've been in this rebuild for two years uh they've been at the bottom of the standings and they've been gathering draft picks and they've been gathering prospects so what the stanley cup is guaranteed in two years in uh make the playoffs next year and stanley cup the following is that the way it's going to work um i think that and and sure fans are naturally optimistic um but um i think that uh uh, the roster is going to take um more than than just what the Canadians have now. And Kent Hughes has said that himself, um, that they've stockpiled draft picks and they're not necessarily going to use all 22 draft picks over the next couple of years. Uh, that They're going to package some together to bring in more talent like they did with Alex Newhook, like they did with uh, Kirby Doc. Um, so is more talent needed? Yes. Is um, do, do fans have to be patient waiting for the talent that they've already drafted um, to get to their prime, yes. Um, and then you have the tricky part that that the timing has to all work. Everybody has to reach their peak at the same time for you to be able to be a cup winner. So long preamble. Very long preamble. Go ahead. <laughs> but I think that sets the tone pretty well. Uh, I'll just start off by giving you the, the number one with the best chance and uh, the number 32 with the the least amount of chance so at number one it is the Edmonton Oilers and I do like this pick uh coming from the athletic I think that makes a lot of sense uh given like how well they've played recently Uh, you look at their roster look no further than McDavid and Dreisaitl how do you not put them at number one with the best chance to win a cup within the next five years 
And then on the other end, the San Jose Sharks uh, with the lowest chance of winning a cup makes sense too. At the bottom of the standings, uh, you look at the roster, it's it's awful right now. <laughs> there aren't too many very good NHL pieces down there. So where do the Canadians land? Well, they rank number 19, uh, 12% chance of a championship within the next five years. And I think that's pretty reasonable on their end. Uh, look, they've been in a rebuild, like you said. It's been a few years now. Uh, by the end of the five years, I think uh, it's fair to say they'll be getting to that pretty good point as opposed to getting to that uh, cup favorite. What do you think about that? Yeah, and and that's exactly what uh, Sean McKindo said is is um, that the Canadians uh, with the in, in injection of talent are, are going to be a pretty good team with all this talent on the way. Um, but ask the question, do they have enough top-end talent to break through? That's still the question. Um, and and the answer is, is hmm, um, maybe not. They're, they're going to have to, um, you know, especially given that they've had a top-five pick, that they, they've had the first overall pick. Uh, where is that elite player? We asked that uh, last season. Um, so you look through the top ten, the Edmonton Oilers um, – as you said, top top of uh, the the ranking, um, and have a thirty five percent of getting a cup over sometime in the next um, five years. That makes sense with when you look at the the elite talent uh, that they have. Colorado Avalanche um, with a thirty four percent chance. Dallas Stars with a thirty percent chance. Um, look at all the talent that New Jersey has twenty six percent. Carolina Hurricanes they've been hanging around. Uh, for the last few years, 25%. Um, there's a Canadian team at number eight, the Vancouver Canucks. The Leafs are at 11%. The tw- the Jets are at 12%. So the Canadians at 19, given where they are in the rebuild, I don't think that sounds um, all that out of out of place. They are just below the average. Um, and, and yes, um, things could change. Things could change if... The Canadians start acquiring those kinds of players that are are going to add elite talent uh, to the pool, um, and we know that that there have been um, what could be considered franchise changing players made available in the past year. We've seen that uh, Yaroslav Askarov uh, at the draft, Cutter Gauthier at the draft uh, made available. So uh, at some point of time in time. Canadians, you're either going to draft um, the, an elite, talented player, uh, or they're going to add them using all of the draft assets that they've accumulated. And uh, just one more thing, I I, I noticed on uh, this uh, list that they put out, coming at it number fifteen, and this might be a surprise to some, but I actually think it makes sense. Is the Chicago Blackhawks um, given a fourteen percent chance? And why are they this high? Well, they do have a franchise-altering player and one Connor Bedard. Obviously, there's only one Connor Bedard, but that it just takes one player to really change everything, to be completely honest. And uh, they're, they're there at 15, sandwiched uh, in between uh, Detroit at 16 and Ottawa at 14, two teams at, uh, in the Atlantic that have been rebuilding for a few seasons now. Uh, so uh, I just thought it was interesting there that uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, jump all the way up to 15 in this rankings. That's a great point. Um, it's that elite talent. It's a Connor McDavid kind of 
of talent that gets injected into Chicago that makes them. Um, they certainly have a lot of work to do to build around Connor Bedard, but um, they have uh, a leg up on a team like the Montreal Canadiens, who was um, either uh, unfortunate uh, that their first overall pick, um, depending on your perspective, that their first overall pick was not that elite talent or they made a bad choice or uh, if you look at when they had a, a top five pick that they didn't pick a Michkov or if you're of that opinion. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, a great point that, that Chicago has gotten a boost from Connor Bedard. Unfortunately, it wasn't the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. And with that, uh, like I said at, at the top, I think we focused a lot on young players and which uh, young players we see as part of the core in the future. Uh, some of the top prospects coming down the pipeline. But uh, I think that uh, you can't have this team turn the corner without having some key veterans in the lineup. Uh, so I, I think we wanted to take a few minutes here just to look up and down the lineup and uh, consider who they might consider uh, retaining uh, as part of the core and who they might want to acquire as uh, they turn the corner and uh, become a perennial contender at some point down the road here. So uh, with that, uh, Rick, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, and and that's key. You look at the teams who are Stanley Cup contenders, and they always have um, that that uh, that group of veteran talent that brings leadership, uh, that knows how to uh, win in the playoffs, uh, that brings that experience, and and is the perfect uh, complement. Uh, to the elite talent that they have. And I think that when the Canadians, when Canadians fans look at the current uh, group of players, um, that they, they, they kind of wax poetic about the, the, the veterans that are, that are veterans currently on the team. So I've seen um, lots of comments from both media and from fans saying, David Savard is, is exactly that kind of player who um, is a mentor to the young defenseman, um, who um, has been uh, to, to, through the playoffs, uh, who has won a Stanley Cup, who uh, can can be a corner piece in um, a, a cup-contending team of the future. And then you realize that we're talking about five years here. Mm-hmm. Canadians still have some pieces to acquire. They still have the elite pieces to acquire, and we need all of the the uh, all of those pieces to act at their peak together. We're talking about a five year window. Uh, at least that's um, what the athletic article is all about. Well, one David Savard is thirty three years old right now. <laughs> um, you know, if the Canadians are looking at a window of five years, what's what's David Savard's play going to be like in three years, or four years, or five years? Um, is he still going to be that crucial piece? I mean, this is years ago, but now that when he won the cup with uh, with Tampa, he was he was a third pairing defenseman on that team. Um, so I I think I think the the lens has to change a bit, um, and the same thing goes for a, a Sean uh, Monahan. Sean Monahan's twenty nine years old. Um, and I know there's there's all kinds of fan attachment to him right now. He's had a great season. Um, the 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 way the players, uh, younger players, speak about him being clutch. Um, but Sean Monahan is just 
too valuable an asset right now. Um, you you can't not trade him um, in order to get the pieces back that you'll need either to package together to get that elite player. Um, you need to use uh, his 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 excellent season uh, to further um, to to further your pursuit of being a contender because. In five years, he'll be 34. Um, we know that he's injury prone. How many injuries um, are going to happen in the next three years, four years, five years? Um, and I'll go down the list. Tanner Pearson's 31. Um, Christian Dvorak, a little younger, 27. Is he going to be a, a, a part of that um, um, contend? Is there a place for um, a Christian Dvorak? Um, and I guess... Um, Brandon Gallagher, um, this season and then three more seasons and he's already 31. Mike Matheson's 29. I saw a conversation by the mainstream media folks, um, that, um, online this week that said, you cannot possibly trade Mike Matheson. You cannot. Why? Uh, well, their reasons, he, he skates incredibly well. That's true. Uh, Mike Matheson plays the most minutes. That's true. He's from Montreal. That's true. However, Mike Matheson had a great start to the season. His his offense has declined considerably. He's terrible in his in his own end, and he's not a very good uh, power play quarterback, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. At 29 years old, is he going to fit into to be this? Um, you know, this leader, um, as the Canadians get closer to be a cup contender, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And, and if you can get a lot for, for Sean or for, um, Mike Matheson now, or if you can get something for uh, a, a considerable amount for Sean Monahan or David Savard or Tanner Pearson, do it. Um, because think about that five-year window. Um, and the odds aren't even that good in the next five years. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I, I think that when the Montreal Canadiens get to that point, when they get to the point where they have this core of players that are moving together, um, in five years, Nick Suzuki is going to be 29 years old. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's going to be a veteran. This group that they, Caden uh, uh, Gooley. Um, he's going to be uh, 27 years old and, and in his prime. The idea was to get these players together, give them responsibility, and let them provide the leadership. Learn um, in their young years and provide the leadership. And then, at that stage, the Canadians will be buyers. They'll be buyers at the trade de- deadline, and they'll go out and add a Sean Monaghan at that stage that will give them... Um, that kind of, that kind of grit, that kind of leadership that 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 they need uh, going into the into the playoffs. Um, all of that's going to change from right now them being sellers to them being buyers. Um, so I don't. I really appreciate what David Savard has done. I really appreciate what Brendan Gallagher has done. Um, I really appreciate what Sean Monahan has done. But I think that if the Canadians can get um, some assets to help them get that elite talent, um, that that's the direction that they want to go. And that it's, it's probably easier to add that veteran leadership later. 
um, once you have all your pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't see the issue with surrounding some of these younger players with good veterans like Savard right now. Uh, but of course, you know, Savard's not doesn't have a future in Montreal at that point. So yeah, I think now's the perfect time to try and move on from some of these pieces. And great point by you mentioning the age and the injury history. No, look no further than Brendan Gallagher if you're concerned about age and having a history of injuries. Because if if you do hang on to a David Zabard, yeah, he might be playing good for you right now. But in the future, I'm not saying that he has a potential to become what Brendan Gallagher currently is. But to look, Gallagher is in a position where he's had a lot of injuries. He's not getting any younger. His skating's terrible. He's struggling to find a spot in the lineup. And now I think this past week, uh, fans have really soured on Brendan Gallagher and maybe his leadership's coming into question a little bit. Uh, so uh, like you said, I, I think that uh, you really have to consider uh, what uh, the ages of a lot of these players, because once you get to that wrong side of uh, 30 and you have quite a few injury histories, it's hard to keep competitive. Maybe you find a role leadership wise, but on the ice, it's it's very difficult i think a lot of players their skating regresses fast and i think joel edmondson's another good example of that we're going from great to a veteran guy to have in the lineup and then you start looking at uh, his skating his his ability to follow the play and it, it regresses pretty fast yeah for sure it just it falls off a cliff and and you have to get value from that player by moving him to the current contenders um, before uh, the players hit that hit that wall Absolutely. And uh, speaking of Nick Suzuki, too, did you know that this is his fifth season in the NHL? I feel like we always talk about Nick Suzuki like he's a young player, like oh, he's for a captain. Sure, he's a young captain, but he's certainly not a prospect anymore. And I I think at this point, uh, how soon can we start referring to Suzuki as a veteran? And the good thing about Suzuki is he was around the team when they were pretty successful and made that run to the cup final. He had a good role on that team. Uh, He has that experience. And if he can continue to develop his leadership, I think that's your big key veteran going forward within this uh, five-year window that uh, we've talked about. Also, Cole Caulfield, three pro seasons so far. I know that this is probably going to be his first full 82 games. But uh, look, uh, when you get to the end of this five years, he's certainly going to be a veteran. Caden Gooley as well. He's a guy that's getting a ton of experience under his belt. So within this uh, five-year window, I think those guys essentially become your key veterans. Um, Outside of that, uh, like you said, uh, I think that uh, at some point you certainly want to add a veteran two-way forward. I don't know that that's in the organization right now, but maybe a Kirby Doc can end up being that at some point. Uh, Of course, a veteran shut down D. Maybe some people uh, look at David Savard that way, but of course, I'd rather move on from Savard this season. If you want to keep a veteran, at least one veteran D around for the remainder of the season, it's probably Matheson, but again, you probably look to flip him out in the summer and you can just plug in various guys around this young core uh, going forward too. And uh, at some point too, uh, you you mentioned that, uh, look, when uh, Montreal gets good, maybe they'll be looking to acquire that Sean Monaghan type player. Absolutely. I I think you do need that veteran uh, going forward in the mix as well. Yeah, that's that's just it. I think um, you have to take your... Um, head out of what the team looks like now and project forward 
Um, and and that applies to uh, a Nick Suzuki and a Cole Caulfield. Good point. They have been through uh, a, an unusual Stanley Cup run, but a Stanley Cup run yeah. n- uh, nonetheless, and have learned from a Carey Price, have learned from a Shea Weber. Uh, they were there. They experienced it, and um, and now they should be more it should increase year by year uh the reliance of the other team members on them Caden Gooley in that mix as well a natural uh leader um and you have to also then project for the the current veterans that um yeah they 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 may be helping uh now and they may have helped uh in the transition uh but once this gets to to be a contending uh team um, there, there will be holes to fill, and and the veterans that are with the Canadians now will not be part of that. I don't see them uh, necessarily being part of that, but that's just uh, doing that mental exercise of moving moving yourself to a team that three years from now, four years from now, five years from now, uh, and trying to to imagine what that's going to look like. So, um, who are the veterans that uh, this team needs? I don't think we know. Um, I think yeah. <laughs> that that you want someone uh, at that stage with all the qualities of a Sean Monahan, all the qualities uh, that he has now, but not Sean Monahan three, four, five years from now. I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, and uh, appreciate that insight as well. Uh, so, with that, uh, before we uh, move along to our Canadians Connection uh, question of the week. Uh, did you have any uh, final comments that uh, you wanted to, our listeners to hear? Well, I think that uh, we have to remember that uh, a rebuild um, is is additions, um, adding in talent, and hopefully at some point some real elite talent. Uh, but it also is sub- subtractions, um, and you know, unfortunately, it's it's it can include prospects that uh, get displaced, that get bumped down the the depth chart. Uh, but it also includes um, players who are are um, maybe at their peak and, and value can be obtained from them or past their peak, and it's time that they moved along. And those include, unfortunately, for fans, those include some fan favorites. Absolutely. So with that, uh, I think we'd like to ask all of our listeners this. Which veteran NHL players do you believe would make the biggest impact for the Canadians to compete for a cup in the next five years. We want to make sure that we hear from you and uh, we'll give you a little break to think about it and uh, let us know. Uh, I think we'll take our final break here. Uh, Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com i bet you enjoy sporting your best habs jerseys dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest habs gear and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning well don't just show your friends show your habs The Rocket Sports Media team wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. 
If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, log in to thn.com slash Montreal. Your year-round source for anything Habs-related. That's thn.com slash Montreal. Welcome back to episode 280 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Please make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can check out our website, CanadiansConnection.fm. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And uh, Rick, that was a nice discussion that uh, we had in that second segment. It's nice to put things in perspective a little bit. I think so. And and uh, we try to do the kinds of discussions that you don't hear anywhere else. And, and I think you really need to, when we're looking forward, when, when we're looking forward um, in a month's time um, to the, the trade deadline, um, we want to project what would be some, some good value for, for the veterans that the Canadians have. But then think ahead um, over the next two years, over the next four years, over the next five years, to the end of the decade, um, because the ultimate goal, it's been 30 years since the Canadians have won the Stanley Cup, um, and um, Patrick Wall was in goal in 1993, um, <laughs> so uh, the goal is a Stanley Cup, um, and um, so it's it's going to it's going to need some some major decisions and a major injection of talent. Absolutely. And we'll be here to give you all the best Montreal Canadiens coverage uh, here from Rocket Sports. Here's what you need to know. Um, We do Montreal Canadiens coverage for the hockey news, and you can find all of that content at THN.com slash Montreal. All the Canadiens coverage there in one place. Uh, If you're interested in more of our multimedia type content, we do have a YouTube channel. Just search at all Habs. You'll be able to pull that up. Hit subscribe and uh, check out all the content on there. Throughout the week, there's a couple different things we do. Um, Amy Johnson hosts two shows, the Habs Hockey Report Show and the Rocket Hockey Report Show. Uh, The Habs Hockey Report Show, uh, the latest one is entitled Kent Hughes Speaks, Five Takeaways from His Mid-Season Review and the Rocket Hockey Report Show. Jack, I called up. Baron sent down. What's next? Check out both of those. Amy does a great job covering both the Montreal Canadiens and their AHL affiliate, the Laval Rocket. Leave a like, leave a comment, get involved in that discussion too. Amy loves to hear from everybody and hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. 
Also, the Canadians Connection podcast, this one that you're listening to right now, we've started putting that one up on YouTube. Uh, people seem to like to listen to it on there as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, the latest episode is entitled How Terry Ryan Played Pro Hockey at the Age of 47, plus Logan Mayu update. Uh, make sure that you check that out. Uh, we'll put that uh, out every single Monday on our YouTube channel, so you can certainly tune into it there. Also, we have a lot of fun doing live stream watch-alongs on YouTube. This is something new we started doing this season. Uh, this past Thursday on the 25th of January, I was joined by my Rocket Sports Media colleague, Nathan, and it was a huge success. Montreal took on the New York Islanders. Coincidentally, that ended up being Patrick Wade. so we had uh, tons of people tuning in. We have a live chat there. You get commentary. We have all sorts of great discussions about Montreal, and uh, we would really appreciate if uh, more people would tune in. Uh, our next one is coming up on February the 6th. Once again, that'll be a Tuesday joined with my Rocket Sports Media colleague, Nathan. Uh, it's going to be Washington versus Montreal, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that one as well. So mark the calendar, hit subscribe. Uh, we also have a notification bell. That way that you get notified every time we put out new content. And uh, leave a like, leave a comment, let us know all of your thoughts. So I use that in the notification bell, and I got a little notification saying Rocket Sports is going live. And I went there, and it was incredible. Um, as you said, it was a huge success. We, our, our, uh, live stream watch alongs are growing, um, just exponentially, um, each time they happen, uh, this, this past week set a record. Um, you guys were tremendous and, and listen, all you have to, it's easy. Yeah. You tune into the game, you put your TV on, you mute the volume. You don't want to hear Gary Galley anyway. <laughs> and instead you get to hear, um, yourself, Michael and, and, uh, Nathan, great commentary, um, talking about the game, talking about some background stories, um, things that, that, uh, are fascinating and interesting to hear as well as, um, all of the people in the chat and, and joining from all over the world and all interacting. It's a, it's a online watch along party, uh, for Habs fans. And, and also uh, we get some of the opposition fans in there. Um, it's tremendous. So coming up, as you said, February, February 6th, the Montreal Canadiens versus the Washington Capitals. You want to be on our YouTube channel. You want to be a part of the next, uh, watch along live stream. And I uh, really like to highlight there, too, that this is an interactive thing. So uh, get into that live chat. Uh, we want to make sure that we hear from everybody. And uh, don't hesitate. Let us know your thoughts and questions, too. Uh, Nathan and I will be more than happy to get to those. And uh, while you're at it and doing all this subscribing, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, uh, the Premier Rocket Sports Radio podcast on your favorite uh, podcasting app, The Canadians Connection. You can find every single episode at canadiansconnection.fm as well. Uh, we're here every single Saturday to give you a great content. Uh, we're here. Uh, we don't go on any vacations. Uh, we make sure that we give you an episode every single Saturday throughout the year. I know sometimes uh, people will uh, take a little break during the summer, take a break over the holidays. Nah, we don't like to do that. We like to make sure that uh, we uh, continue to provide great content. We are your inside lo link to the Montreal Canadiens. Sure are. And uh, what was interesting to me this week is that um, on one of Amy's uh, I think it was the Rocky, Rocket Hockey Report. Um, a new subscriber said, just subscribe to YouTube. Um, love the, the Rocket Hockey Report. Um, and ask the question, uh, love your YouTube content. Do you have a podcast? Um, and <laughs> uh, yes, we do. The Canadians Connection. And, and 
Uh, you can subscribe on all of the um, the, the the apps that uh, you normally get your podcasts on. Um, absolutely. So we love to recommend the um, the YouTube channel and Amy's shows and the, the live watch alongs, and uh, the folks from um, from YouTube uh, love to come back to um, engage in the the podcast as well. Absolutely, and uh, we love to engage with all of our listeners and viewers. And uh, this week, our Canadians Connection question of the week is, which veteran NHL players do you believe would make the biggest impact for the Canadians to compete for a cup in the next five years? We want to make sure that uh, we hear from you and get all of your thoughts on that. Uh, text us, 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. You can find us on social media as well. But we also have an email. Uh, Rick, if people have a little bit more to say, how can they reach out to us via email? Uh, lots of people still like to reach out to us via email. And our email address is hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. Uh, so we get tons of uh, text, tweets, and emails throughout the week. And... Uh, we have a couple of interesting ones that we wanted to read. And uh, Rick, we got a message on Instagram. I'll let you take care of that one to start. Well, we don't uh, promote our Instagram enough, but we do have Instagram accounts both for um, uh, Habs Connection, at Habs Connection on Instagram. Uh, this one happened to come in on our Rocket Sports Instagram. It's at Rocket Sports Media. Um, and this says, hey, Team Rocket Sports, I came across your YouTube channel recently and loved your video on uh, uh the video called Jackeye called up, uh, Baron sent down. Uh, I just want to appreciate your efforts, what you've been doing with your YouTube channel and all the content on the socials. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, and, uh, we really appreciate, uh, we really appreciate your comments and, and especially, um, when, uh, when you have a little praise in there for the work that we do. Absolutely. And uh, we have one more thing that uh, we'll read out. Uh, this one comes from Christopher Pringle on Facebook. Uh, Christopher says, whole organization rotting on the vine, rot at top until an owner with passion and desire for championships takes the helm. The ship will flounder in the basement of all leagues. Uh, so Christopher, obviously not too happy with the, the ownership of the Montreal Canadiens, not too happy with the direction that they're heading in. And of course, we get uh, certainly a mix of different uh, comments, uh, texts and tweets throughout the week. So I uh, thought this was an interesting one coming on from one Christopher Pringle and who's uh, reached, out to, to, reached out to us a couple times, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think we've heard from Christopher before and and um, he he is uh, impatient uh, for a Stanley Cup, um, Calder Cup, Kelly Cup, some kind of cup, uh, he <laughs> sees uh, the uh, the teams all at the bottom, not necessarily, but but uh, not where he wants them to be. So coming up uh, this uh, next week, it's uh, actually pretty late. Uh, just one game. Montreal visits Pittsburgh tonight, Saturday, January the 27th. And then I believe we get uh, a little bit of a, a week off there with an all-star break. But uh, we'll be back here next week uh, with some more great content. For now, that'll be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also share it on social media if you like what you heard. Uh, enjoy the week, and we'll be back here next Saturday, February the 3rd, for another great episode. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports.